Patriots, and tonight is Friday, June 2nd, the end of the day, in the year 2023. It's been an interesting day. A great day, in fact, when we consider all the prayers that we did today, which is always a very intense Friday, but one that always yields just amazing miracles of God in this world that we're able to witness and hear testimony on, and we're very grateful for that. And I thank everybody that joins that session if you haven't been part of that, I'd really encourage you to join. It's really powerful and really amazing. We have over 100 people weekly that stay into that for almost, today we had almost three, two solid hours, I guess, two and a half hours, more than that, two and a half hours of solid prayer, which is really amazing. Patriots, one thing for sure right now is we're dealing with a food supply issue that's pretty crazy, and they're going after the food, so make sure you're well stocked up. Patriots, you've seen the dire headlines we're facing in the world today. Everywhere you look, things are falling apart. That's why the smartest investment you can make right now is in your family's food security. We've seen supply chains break down, food processing plants burn. We've seen animals cold because of so-called viruses. The reality is you might not be able to find food when the next disaster strikes. Imagine a moment in the future where grocery stores could be empty roads closed, and trucks won't be able to make deliveries. When that happens, you need emergency food in full supply. That's why I urge you to grab a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. When you order today, you'll save $200 on each kit you need. Having these kits means your family will stay fed while others stand in food lines. Don't delay. Order your three-month emergency food kit today and save $200 per kit. It's easy to order. Go to preparewithbards.com. You'll get fast and free shipping too. Preparewithbards.com. Do this today. You won't regret it. Preparewithbards.com. And Patriots, while we're talking about this with in terms of preparedness, and this really is the time to prepare, we have to be looking as well. That's what's in our medical profiles of things that we have in the house to deal with unexpected. One of those things I'd really encourage you to take a look at adding to your medical kit, your medical supplies, and again, always looking towards the natural products is CB distillery, which is products made of hemp, CBD oil particularly. CB distillery has an amazing array of products. Um, they have Their products are easy to deal with. They provide products for, for relaxation, for relief of pain, for sleep, and for recovery of the body systems. And these things are going to prove to be very important as we're already seeing a shortage of antibiotics and a shortage of other things. We have to be building a pretty strong holistic medicine capability within our own homes. And with that, as we lean into prayer and the authorities given to us, it is essential that we also maximize what God gives us as the bounty on this earth. CB Distillery is one of those product lines and companies that provides a product line that leverages all of that. They're all plant-based. It's 100% clean ingredients. It's made from U.S.-grown industrial hemp, and they're rigorously tested. So check it out. Go to cbdistillery.com, cbdistillery.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. Take advantage of the savings of 20%, and any orders over $75 is free shipping. So I really encourage you to try it out. I've been using the... um, the CBD gummies 
as has my mom with great great effect and really finding a very positive uh, part of that product line. So there's a lot of things to check out worth having some of these in your medical kit and your whole health kit for your family and for yourself. So check it out again, cbdistillery.com, promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, get 20% off. All right, so we're heading into Bards Fest this next week, and it's been a busy planning day and has been a number of busy planning days as we prepare for that event. And I'm kind of queuing up here a little bit in terms of as we start to head down that, that line. We are in a time right now with a world that is completely in chaos. And the problem is, I think that has happened is as we've slowly moved into this there's been an anticipation that this time is coming, and with that, there is a normalcy bias that has settled in, that we begin to really look at things and say, oh, just another day of crazy, which it is, but we're really at a peak crazy right now, in particular this month is the uh, homosexual and deviant sex life behavior of the world rallies around the rainbow flag. God's rainbow was intended to be that of blessing and grace, not of pride, which they absconded for this month as we go through a pride month, as every freak and pedophile now comes out of the, out of the woodwork to try to remind us of their deviant sexual behavior, their desire to rape and pillage kids, and, their, and just, to, just to display to us their sexual behaviors that they can't keep in their pants or keep in their, in their room. This is kind of the disgusting nature of evil. It, evil is insecure by nature. It has to tell you and show you and th- try to stir you to anger or fear. Those are emotions that evil leverages so that it can gain more followers or more investment in yourself to influence more people to the dark side. And sadly, too many people just don't have the strength in their armor or the will within faith to stand up to it. And it becomes a sort of thing where people shun back, go into the corner and quietly pray and wish things would go away. Evil's not going away until we confront it. And that's a simple fact. Deliverance work. It's probably one of the most important things that we are involved in right now. The great thing about Glad Tidings, the Church of Glad Tidings, is it's a center of training deliverance. That's led by Pastor Dave Bryan and his amazing team, and there's a lot of great people there that do it. You're going to be hearing down there from pastors that do deliverance. Brad Cummings does deliverance. I've been trained and am continuing to work in the area of deliverance. You're going to hear from Pastor Anthony Thomas. He's trained in deliverance. Pastor Dave Bryan is going to speak. He's trained in deliverance. This is very real. And it's an issue that if we aren't gaining the tools to fight the devil and to fight the evil, then we're going to be underhanded and under, under-equipped for what is coming. Sadly, too much of our pulpit across this nation has really not taken it seriously. In fact, they've walked away from a lot of it, shunning it away as some sort of marginalized Christian movement or some sort of extremism in Christianity maybe even cultish, when in fact the only cult are those that refuse to embrace the, the importance of casting out demons and dealing with deliverance. It's a very real aspect to our lives. It can't be denied anymore. It's all around us. And what has happened by a society that's no longer equipped, and we can see it, is that we're being victimized and vulturized by the very people that, quite frankly, 
would be cast out or be shunned had we had the tools of deliverance at our hand. It's disturbing, to say the least, and we're ill-equipped at this point on the larger spectrum of things to deal with it, and yet God continues to remind us that our mission ahead is, is intense and we have a lot to fight for, and I believe truly that God is leaning into his remnant to remind us that this is the time and the hour for us to no longer to wait. I want to read a quote from you here that I thought was very insightful, and it's this. Worry, the worry, W-O-O-R-Y, worry is a conversation you have with yourself about things you cannot change. Prayer is a conversation you have with God about things you can change. That's a very profound statement and insight. And it's critical that we start to really confront the sense of what our tools, weapons, and our position in this fight is. One thing about training for war is that you can't train for every facet of war, but you can equip yourself with many tools. And the tools that we have before us are ultimately centered on our ability to pray and our ability to listen and hear the word of God. Just as my own testimony here, because as we have done this prayers Friday and I've led prayers for many, I will tell you that it's incredible. And one of the experiences is to hear the words given for specific prayers. And that has rather than being an automatic session where I read a prayer and I just start reciting a prayer for it, increasingly there's a moment of pause to let the Holy Spirit step in and to provide the guidance on every prayer, as it should be. We tend to get a little focused on prayer and just praying sometimes for what we think we interpret, but what's important is to hear the Holy Spirit on what we need to pray for. Not always is a prayer intended it is given that the response we give is exactly one for one. So an example of that is if someone is praying for healing, sometimes the healing isn't exactly what is needed. Perhaps it's a, a issue in the family, or maybe it's spiritual healing, not physical healing. And part of that is to listen closely to the Holy Spirit and to be guided in those moments. That's part of what gives us the upper hand in this war, is the wisdom of God, the, the eyes of God. And the more that we tailor that and tune that, the better we are equipped for the fight at hand. So much of our fight is going to be on this ground, on this earth. And as much as we would like perhaps to believe or, or wish that there would be a, a way through this without any sort of intensity or violence or whatever, violence is all around us. And I just, I really need to underline that and say, remind people of this because I think there's a real tendency right now for some, and I'm accusing anybody listening here, I just want you to reflect on this, especially with people around you. They don't want to see the violence that is here. They don't want to see the violence in the city or the threats that are being imposed upon people. They don't want to see the government that's overhanded. Before the show tonight, I listened to Monkey Works. I like his work. Um, he doesn't draw a lot of conclusions, and I think some of that is to protect his account on YouTube, which is understandable because he has a very good reach, and YouTube for what he does is a pretty necessary platform. It's uh, 
because everything he does is visually driven. But he does provide a lot of insight and a lot of data and a lot of data points, as he likes to say, on what's going on. And probably one of the most disturbing things that I've watched tonight on his Friday show was that the government is actively involved in mapping this nation and the world. They're using a technique called LIDAR, and LIDAR allows them to literally create three-dimensional models of anything they fly over, including penetrating views inside buildings to see what's inside. And at this point in time, there's been something like 8,000 LIDAR flights over the United States mapping out all sorts of places. Anywhere there's people, they're mapping it out. You have to ask the question, why? What does the government need to know so much information? And how, in the other side of this, are they allowed so much access to our lives? That is a complete violation of privacy on every single level. Think about that. That They can fly over your home. They can, give any, they can capture a map of inside your home as they fly over. They can look inside, outside your buildings, map everything around your property, and know exactly what is there. Now, when you're doing something like that for war, it's understandable. You're trying to capture the positions of the enemy or positions that perhaps the enemy will eventually occupy so that you can know how to respond. And if you're, one, if you're going to find the optimistic side of things and try to say, well, the, the government is preparing for something. They're, maybe they're preparing for an invasion for a foreign country. I would take pause and reflect on these things. And what I'd reflect on is this. We are keep having saber rattling of two countries. One, most of the time it's Russia, the other time it's China. And if you really think about it, there's never been a fight that China's done on a long distance to invade another country. If you look at what Russia's done, its conflicts and invasions have been on its borders, which is always historically to create a buffer zone. There have been conflicts in the continent of Africa. Most of that's done by proxy wars. We've done the same. But the only country that has flown mass amounts of troops around the world to invade other countries and to occupy them is us. That's it. So when you start to hear narratives like this, that somehow we're going to be invaded, I would take a pause. There was a great quote along these lines, and I'm not going to be able to do it exactly, but from somebody who had served for a lot of years, and it was pretty much that, that in all these years, they've been looking at the optic of the great boogeyman, which is Russia or China. But in, in review of actual events, the only country that has been exporting war, invading countries, toppling leaders to in- install physical troops on the ground, sacrificing their young and their, and their bold and their strength on foreign soil has been us. So when you start to see the military starting to do mapping, the same military that has been involved in many ways with a transformation of this society since Obama to use the military as a vehicle to fast track in the principles of transgenderism and the assault on youth, the pedophile culture to protect it under flags like the pedophile flags of LGBTQ and and transgenderism. When you start to see these things happening, you have to be concerned about what we see. Now, that doesn't mean fearful, and this is where I want to get to. Fear is our greatest enemy. It is the one thing that we're told 365 times over and over 
to fear not. I've referred to fear as a sin. That's pretty much the way I run my life, but I think that's probably a bit unjust for the sense of Scripture and is probably heavily handed, overstated, in fact. But I do, when I confront myself with fear, I confront it with the boldness of saying, basically, it's a sin because I walk in a place where I see that what God calls me to do, I must be fearless. I'm not putting that on anybody, so hear me. But I do think that God tells us 365 times to fear not, to remind us constantly, knowing that we will fall in fear, that we will stumble in fear. And when we do fall in fear, we fall into the hands of the enemy. Right now, there's going to be, right now we live in a climate of mass destabilization. Easiest way to look at this is if you want to take a well-known visual metaphor, the collapse of the Twin Towers, we're sitting in the basement of the Twin Towers knowing that these buildings are going to collapse. And above us are thousands of people. They're walking around totally immune or not even knowing what's about to happen. The problem we have in our world, especially this country, is our narratives has been shaped by a media that has been completely owned and more deeply owned than anything we ever imagined. 9-11 wasn't an attack on terrorists by some cave over in Afghanistan. It was a well-organized plot using micro nanotech explosives It was that they literally painted on the walls and painted on the columns, and they used a controlled detonation on every building to slaughter thousands of Americans, to install fear in a culture, to do a ritual sacrifice of people, and in so doing, usher in a new era of their master control as people willfully handed over their rights, gave up their constitution, and aligned with the state's view of saying that we had to take on more places in the world where they could then take more of our boys across the, the, the water to slaughter innocent civilians, to disturb and to, to create more deep blood rifts, and to try to create a destabilization on the world that we will never get over. The American patriot that is rising up is going to take on these burdens. And we're going to face a world that is not ready for us to do anything other than fall. This is a world eagle, eager to see us collapse. And they have righteous reasons to believe that. They have witnessed they have witnessed the bombs of Americans kill their children. They have witnessed the aerial drone strikes that have wiped out weddings and whole families. They have seen and witnessed the innocents killed and guns placed on the bodies to make it look like it's somebody else. And while we have done some righteous acts across the world, and there are terrorists out there that seek to kill us, the problem is that when we dig into these wars, and it's literally a study that I did, you discover that the only reason these wars were precipitated is because we created the problem. So whatever actions were started with weren't resolved because we continued to create the blood rifts on the ground that perpetuated war indefinitely. That's the psychology of what the people were dealing with. They're masterful at this. They're masterful at creating a vengeful heart. They're masterful at creating a, a continual cycle of us wanting to seek blood for blood. And the blood itself is what keeps this contract in play. The sacrificing blood of another, of an innocent, that continues to keep their, their witchcraft and their evil in flow 
to where the curse of blood continues to cycle us into the abyss and we never escape. We have an opportunity right now. We have an opportunity to be truly the children of the Most High. And this opportunity is going to test every one of us. It's going to test me. It's going to test you. It's going to test anybody out here that's following this, this approach. It's going to require that moment of temperance, that moment of professional resolve, focus, and yet mercy that we saw in the garden. So let me dig into that a little bit. I've talked about this story a lot because God puts me back in this place over and over. And it's the sword of Peter and the sword of Jesus right in the moment of the garden. Peter slices the ear. And I know you've heard the story many times, but there's so much in that motion that needs to be looked at. As he draws the sword, first of all, as I've said many times, somebody that's clumsy with a sword doesn't draw a sword and strike quickly, especially on an attack that's coming at them. Somebody that's going to reach for Jesus. And Peter does a masterful job. But what we don't recognize enough is Peter actually stays alive. He stays the attack and saves the life by cutting off the ear. And though that is a simple act would limit the blood rift, the perpetuation of violence, Jesus intercedes and shows us something greater. He shows us the healing of the ear. And through the healing, anything that was created in the blood rift is now broken. Any contract, any perpetuation is removed. And what happens is he wins a heart while saving an ear and healing a soul. This approach to warfare is foreign to most of us. I am never going to be opposed in this world that we know to carrying that virtual sword of steel, whether that it's a physical sword, whether it's a 9-11, whether it's a, a pistol, whether it's your, whether it's a set of of whether it's a knife, whether it's a set of nunchucks, whether it's a baton, I don't know what you have or what your preferred method is. I'm never going to be against carrying those tools in this battle because there is such a thing as an overwhelming force of evil that at times must be stayed with a physical strength. And because we have not mastered nor do we have the control of the tools of warfare that Jesus did. But we need to be striving more greatly and more profoundly with the hands and the tools that Christ is showing us. One of the things and virtues of what comes out of Friday, every Friday, is the increasing alliance, knowledge, depth, experience. I could give you a list of adjectives of truly the power and tools which God gave us, the heavenly tools to fight this war. And I really don't believe that God has ever intended for us to walk empty-handed with no weapon. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have told us to sell a cloak and buy a sword. But he reminded us, you only need two. So it's important to realize that it isn't about the number of weapons we have. It's about what we have and how well we use them. And that goes with both the sword of steel in both the physical and metaphorical sense. And it goes with the sword of the spirit. We don't train and have not trained our lives, most of us, to become masters of the tools which God gave us. But we're now putting ourselves, if you're so willing, on a fast track to learn them. And God, I believe, is truly pouring out the wisdom for that, for that to happen. But in the process, we're also having to learn a great deal about what makes those tools effective. 
When we go to shoot, there's a number of things that we learn to do very well. For example, the way I was trained to shoot a pistol is that as I draw, everything, your whole practice of drawing and squeezing the trigger, those actions, those actions need to be done in a very slow and steady way to be consistent and to do it over and over until slow becomes a, a more smooth and fast motion and fast ultimately becomes smooth. It isn't about the speed, but it's about the steadiness and the accuracy of where you're going. When we put a place a target with a pistol, we have to put, I have been trained the way I was trained by some of the best, is that your eye focuses on the front sight post, not the rear framing and not the target. So that the eye focuses on the front sight post. And as you're putting your eye on the front sight post, everything else starts to line up because that's telling you where your round is going to go. If it's the sword you're dealing with, which I've also studied the sword, the sword is this issue of complete body connection to the weapon. It's this process where you have to learn over and over how to draw something and to use a blind pull. You can't look at the sword very much like the pistol, but you don't even get to see the sword then because your eyes are always on the opponent and you have to know where that blade is at all time. There's a process of breathing, a process of balance. There's a process of body posture and there's a process of full body motion in unison with that sword. The actual cut of the sword is also based on hand motions, nothing tight, but everything loose and yet firm enough to hold the blade. And as the blade strikes, you have to use the body, the center, to pull the blade through, not just squeeze and grip it and hit it like you're trying to squeeze a bat or something. All of these things require constant repetition and training. And the more you do them, the better you become. Over time, it's a lifetime of mastery. And in this lifetime of mastery, what we gain is a great insight, not just in our ability and as, a, as the weapon itself, but we learn a great deal about the inner part of ourselves. We start to learn about where we are with our presence in the world. We learn about our fears. We learn about how to overcome our fears. We ultimately become warriors on a plane greater than the blade itself or the tool of war itself. And all the tools become as an extension of our hand. If I asked somebody to do this with the tools that, that God gave us, I would say that to describe using those tools, most people would fall short at explaining how to use them in terms of weapons of war. What I find myself now doing, and this is just my own testimony to share here, as we go through a Fridays, for example, and together as we're praying, every Friday I'm pushing myself to a new level. I'm trying to find a deeper way in with the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to listen more closely to where I'm guided. All of this is the unison of our prayer with the target that we're assaulting. And the target is real. As long as we're visualizing what we're going after, the precision of what we're trying to strike and listening to where the actual attack is. When we're shooting at something, we're looking for center of mass, for example, when we train, but sometimes that's not all it is. Take the Delta operator, who's one of the most precise and known for his use of the pistol. Take a clearing of, a, of an aircraft, which is one of the most difficult situations they deal with. A hostage situation where you have a number of of terrorists holding people in place, intermingled amongst the people, and you can't have any collateral damage. They have to be able to draw and shoot in a precision, but the one key thing about that is they always have to have their eye on the target. 
They don't just randomly shoot or draw out of instinct. Everything has to be precise, and the target needs to be neutralized without causing collateral damage. The war that we're facing right now in a spiritual sense is very similar. We're getting into a place right now where the enemy is integrating amongst us, but it's doing worse than that. It's influencing people that otherwise would be innocent. They're victims. They're easily persuaded. They've become under the influence. They didn't have the armor of faith that they needed. There's a variety of reasons of things that have happened. And so what we witness here is a consequence of a world that now is tipping into the, seems to be tipping into the abyss. But in fact, what's happening is it's falling victim to an overwhelming assault by the demonic. There are those that are truly evil. Don't kid yourself. But there are many of those that must be set free. We have to operate with the precision of the Delta operator with the way that we operate in the world. That means that our tools are different. We aren't always in the sense of lethality. That has to itself be redefined. As we engage an enemy, we have to engage an enemy with compassion. Because our enemy, we don't know when we say pray for our enemies, we don't know initially sometimes whether that is somebody who's truly evil or truly somebody who's under the influence of evil. And that's where I say that as I've prayed on this so much and gone through this so deeply, God keeps revealing that these words. This is not a war of flesh and blood because we're dealing with influences far beyond our control. It's essentially Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. So as we engage and pray for our enemy, we destabilize the enemy's stronghold. That's a critical aspect here, as I always see with prayers. Pray for our enemy, Jesus tells us. Yes, pray for our enemies. Because as we witness this on the battlefield, and we are on a battlefield right now, a massive one, it's all around us. The battlefield is all around you in every step you take. As we pray for our enemy, we start to dislodge that which is evil from that which is good. And we can start to see the separation of the influence. This is where we get into deliverance work. And with that, we can start to identify where the enemy is and where the enemy isn't. We have to start paying attention to the nuances. See, as an operator, when you're working through these situations, my role is not an operator. My role function in, though, in, very, in this very much the same manner. Because when I was in, in these war zones, what I was doing was engaging with people, working in around people, and looking constantly for the subtle signs, the subtle indicators of things that weren't just quite right. That would allow me to get some insight into where Taliban influence was. I would have conversations to be able to draw out perhaps a village insecurity, instability, or even a growing insurgency within the village that everybody else missed. All of that was based on nuance. All of that was based on communication. And all of that resulted in the end in trying to find a better way forward to avoid an, a, a crisis, a problem, or even a counterattack or something worse, like a destructive attack with an IED from the village itself or a local village or an influencer that came from outside. Easy things to be, I'm just kind of broad brushing a lot of these things, but the fact is that when we're engaging people, we have to keep our focus on the nuance and the details. And we live in a world that is very much non-nuanced anymore, yet we have to learn to become nuanced. It's the subtle things. When you're listening to conversations of people, we have to pay attention to the things that they talk about, that they stick on. When they, Even when you're hearing people reference Jesus, we need to get in sometimes when we're sensing a problem, 
we need to get into that comfortable sense of Jesus to really see where they are. I know this sounds like it's very suspect when you're approaching people. And to within the groups that we have, this is why we're building our tribes. We know that we can be strong with one another. But we also have to be looking out for each other. This demonic attack knows no boundaries. It has no rules. It has only one thing, destroy God's children. And so as we go through our daily practice and daily ritual of setting up our armor, getting our focus in, paying attention, we also have to pay attention to ourselves. This is the hardest one, perhaps, because the target of any good martial arts is ultimately ourselves, whether you realize that or not. It's overcoming us, overcoming me, my, my hesitations, the influences, the baggage from my youth, whatever that is, I'm overcoming myself to be stronger within the world. God's telling us the same thing, and it really is no different. We are in a point right now, more than ever, that God is raising his army, and there's a tuning and a refining that has to continue here. And it's a practice and a daily discipline that cannot stop. Tonight, earlier before the show, Bards FM, I was down working with my bees. And I was stunned, struck at something very interesting. I, I get along fine with the bees. I was adding a new super on top of each of the hives so they have a little more room to expand. And though it's probably a bit early to add it, I went ahead and did it and gave them plenty of room with an additional brood building food to encourage them to build more bees and to build a bigger hive. The first two hives went fine. I, uh, I was this brood food is very sticky. And so as I got through with the second hive, I found it was getting a lot of stickiness on my gloves. So I took my gloves off. And I went into the third hive and I did exactly as I'd done from the previous two. And as I took off the top of the hive and there's a small feeder box that I had there, I removed it. There was a bit of new hive that they had built that was stuck. So I took my tool and I gently scraped that off. And in the process, got them a little excited, which happens. It's okay. As I went to shake that, that top feeder off in preparation to putting the new super on. One of the bees came towards me and slipped under my watch band. And in that moment, got stuck in my watch band. And I was trying to get the bee out. And in the process, he got very agitated. I squeezed on him and he, I guess it's actually a she, stung me. Once that happened, then I tried to take my watch off and the bee was then dead. There's a pheromone that was released and a number of bees came at me immediately. And before I could leave the space, I was stung at least two or three more times on my hand before I could get out of there. Now, what does all this have to do with anything? Well, there was a number of things that struck me about that. Number one was that the bees are constantly focused on their hive and the nuances, but most importantly, they're focused on the change in their environment to such a degree. One change of environment was that I was disrupting the hive, though I was doing it peacefully for the betterment of them, I was disrupting their hive. And in disrupting their hive, they became alerted and they're paying attention. Now, Everything was pretty much fine. That bee would have, I probably would have not been stung had it not been for my watch. But because it got caught under my watch, it panicked. And it, it responded. And I, and I probably didn't do the best thing in trying to get him out from my watch. Rather than releasing my watch, he got squeezed. And I was stung 
that pheromone release triggered immediately the other bees to race to his protection. And in so doing, they sacrificed their life by stinging me to save the hive. This sort of behavior is something that we don't do well with in humanity. We don't pay attention to our environment. We don't pay attention to the realities and the disruptions in our world. And we definitely don't place ourselves on that martyrdom mode to try to save whatever's there for the protection of the greater good. This is where the lessons of, that God has in the natural world really need to filter down to us. The warrior is going to pay attention to the nuances in his world or hers. We're going to see the shift in details. We're going to intercede. But when you intercede, you're interceding knowing that there could be a cost waged against you. That's the heart, the martyrdom spirit that we're talking about. It isn't saying that you're going to die, but it is saying that you're willing to step in and put yourself on the line to protect those that could be in harm. They don't, the whole hive didn't see me as an evil, but what they did react to was the fact that one of theirs was harmed. And so in doing, they immediately sent out others to attack, responding to the pheromone that was released and to try to drive me away, which they did until I got my glove on and went back and finished my work and not another problem happened. So the bees aren't violent. These are Italian bees, which tend to be fairly calm in their overall nature. But what's really profound about all of this is the intensity of the moment and the need to make action to drive a would-be or potential predator away and the return to the balance and the calm of the hive once it happened. So much that we can learn from that sort of behavior. Imagine if we were that way with every single predator that was going after the children, but we're not. Instead, we tend to be very passive. We tend to lump ourselves into quens and corners to, to avoid having to take action. But the warrior needs to be vigilant. The warrior needs to be vigilant and strong. And the strength comes from our constant discipline of training with the tools that God gives us. And those tools are intended to be used, not reserved. The swordsman uses the sword always in practice, like the person who shoots with a firearm uses it in practice, hoping that you never have to use the tool. But you want to master and you want to increase the mastery of your weapon system so that in the event that you do have to use it, you're precise with the attack. The attack wasn't all over my body. The attack was directly on the open part of the skin that they were easily and able to attack near the bee that had been damaged. There wasn't bees stinging, trying to sting me in my bee outfit in the head or in the other hand. Both hands were exposed, by the way. It was the one spot. They were specifically targeting that one area to re potentially release the, the bee or and to target me away where that one incident happened. Very impressive, actually, when you think about it. So I think there's a lot here in the moments that we sit that we all have to reflect on. And I know that I'm spending a lot of time reflecting on this. That in this time when God is calling us to the line, we really all have to take very seriously the responsibilities that we have as being warriors in Christ. The warrior is going to be disciplined. They're going to train I've mentioned this many times now, the idea of muscle memory. It takes 2,000 2, times to do an action before you master it. And the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. 
doesn't start with being fast or sloppy. It's always slow and steady. And the more that we proceed through that and the more that we practice with that, the better we become. Those same practices apply whether it's a pistol, a sword, or whether it's prayer warfare, or whether it's the authorities that God has given us. And I also can say this with a certain measure of confidence, that the authorities that God has offered to us and extended to us, that Jesus himself said that we have, are not just going to be given. They're going to be earned in a sense of confidence, where much is given, where much is given, much is asked. Also, where smut, where whatever that level of what giving is, we have to master it. So if you are one who is compelled or, say, wants to have great authorities, start small. Master what you have and overcome any hesitation and learn to use those tools with great discipline. I would love to be able to do a lot of things that Jesus did. But I know that where God has placed me right now is to focus and to master the power of healing and prayer. And with each step, little doors open that only he can open. And we continue to go deeper into that. That's the beginning of any martial art, of any martial practice. And though this may be a bit foreign to consider Scripture as a martial tool, I truly believe that the Bible is a war manual, a field manual for the wars that we face. We're given the lessons and wisdom of what won and what lost. We're given the insight of what happens when we're truly aligned with the power of the Holy Spirit and and God himself. We see what happens when the Son of God walks into the world and even how they treat him, but how he is even greater than they can ever imagine. And how he is a restrained warrior, not calling down the thousands of war angels, but rather being able to confront his enemy one-on-one and ultimately luring his enemy as in the garden to such a degree that their ego and their pride overcome them to where even though his walk to sacrifice is so painful, he ends up winning everything by sealing, by breaking the, the covenant that they had over us and sealing it with his blood. This is the path that we walk if we are truly going to walk with Christ, if we're truly going to walk with the Holy Spirit and truly going to walk with the authorities given to us by Father. These times require a new way of thinking about war. But we are in a war, and we have to get very martial about our thinking. We have to get very precise about our attacks. We have to get very intentional about our actions. And we have to be very clear with our conversations with God. When we pray... To me, prayer is not random. When we are using our tools of authorities, it's no different than drawing your sidearm or drawing your sword. Both, in the arm sense, are intended to be used for something lethal. Lethality in the sense of heaven perhaps looks very different. Lethality, though, in the end, ultimately, is lethality of separating someone from a demonic influence and helping them set themselves free. That is a warfare every step of the way. If we're dealing with with illness, we're dealing with warfare to push out the corruptive practices and decisively destroy it. If we're dealing with emotional trauma, we're trying to deal with healing in such a profound way that restores that body. That is warfare against darkness. We have to be clear in our head what we're doing. And the war is real, and it's getting ever more so. Bards Fest next week is committed to a number of things but its main focus is awakening the warrior heart of Christ within all of us. It's a time to reflect, a time to hear some very powerful 
sermons and speeches and a time to open your heart up to the Holy Spirit and all that God will reveal. There's a lot of things happening right now, a lot of movements around the country, a lot of deceitful things, and we are in a time when no one is sharing the truth. But God's sharing the truth to us. He's showing us a direction. He's reminding us of the remnant. He's reminding us of our place, and he's opening the doors for us to step in. Because what I really feel we're about to go through is going to require those that hear and those that can can walk with God to step into an arena that perhaps we feel we're not even equipped for. But I think it's coming. And I think at the center of that arena is going to be healing, and it's going to be deliverance. Because once we really see this operation for what it is, this destruction, this attempted destruction of humanity, the true reveal will be that will shake the hearts of men, will be the understanding that we aren't fighting flesh and blood. We are fighting the principalities beyond our reach, and they are here. They are active. They are real. And they are destroying humanity and using us to do it by our own hand. It will be the mighty. It will be those anchored with their feet on faith, on the rock of faith, and the true heart of Jesus with the armor of God around them, not your armor, but the armor that God has given us, the mightiness of the sword of the Spirit in one hand and the willingness to mount that sword of steel on the other and to be ready to confront an enemy, as in the garden, to try to stay the attack and save the life, but in the end, heal and to set them free. When we commit to that and we have the path that we're on and we open our hearts and selves up to letting God flow through us with that mightiness, we will see the miracles on this earth shake the world, the miracles that will happen before their very eyes. And there will be nothing left for people to do other than to fall on their knees and put their eyes to heaven and say, Father, Father, help me and help me find my way home. That will be the greatest moment in human history. That will be the moment when we have the greatest role to play, to keep their eyes where they are, to console their hearts, to heal their wounds, and to have them then stand on their own before their Savior Christ and to be led in a path to accept Christ in their life and become mighty men and women of the one God, the true God, the the Father of hosts. Let us pray. Father, very blessed to be here tonight, humbled by all that is given and humbled by the wisdom that you continue to shed upon us. Father, we're in a very interesting time, an amazing hour in which we've come before you, in which we've come to see more and more clearly that the fight ahead is going to be one of confusion, one with many options, and perhaps one that we will at times have to seek your wisdom to find our way through. For that, Father, we pray for discernment, the power of discernment in the eyes to see truly as you see, and the heart of, of the warrior, the heart of the warrior Christ, to see our way forward and to keep our feet solid on the rock of faith. Father, we're praying for something greater tonight. We're praying for that, the gifts and the talents that are embedded in us that will maximize the authorities given to us by our Savior, the awakening of those gifts and talents to a new level, the fire within our belly to pursue them and to master them each and every step, 
the ridding of any hesitation, fear, or doubt that we are not able, not worthy, but rather the realization that we are right here as you need us, right where we need to be, with the pressing urgency to push forward and to trust in you to see those gifts matured and brought to life. So, Father, we pray for the strength of the warrior. We pray for the awakening of the warrior heart. And we pray for any hesitation and doubt to be cast aside, any fear to be pushed aside, and the clarity of our walk here on earth with the intention that you intended us to have as sons and daughters of the Most High. Let us rise, Father, in this hour. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Patriots, a lot ahead. There's a lot within all of this. It's not a simple path, and I just need to say this. Training is never linear. Training is multitasked and multiplicited. It comes from many different things we do. But the mindset is in everything. The great warriors, like a great Japanese warrior, understands it from his calligraphy to his cooking to his gardening to his sword. All things are connected. That nothing is done Marginally, everything is done for precision and perfection. And everything is done to focus always on the center point of what leads us, our heart. So understand where we are. Be humble in this walk. Put that mindset in prayer into everything you do. Seek to be the warrior in Christ. Open your heart up to let God guide and strengthen your walk in each and every step. As we are in Christ, Christ is in us. And as we unify in that breath, we become powerful, powerful on this earth. We truly start to step into the inheritance of being the sons and daughters of the Most High. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, hope you have a very blessed weekend. I'll see you Sunday night for, for Peace Be Still. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body Oh
just to feel.